Welcome back, listeners, to another enlightening episode of Wellness Wisdom. In today's digital age, we are constantly plugged in, but there's a growing awareness of the importance of stepping back from our screens for the sake of our mental health. In this episode, we are diving into the world of digital detox, exploring its profound effect on our mental well-being, especially in kids. Join us as we uncover the challenges, motivations, and strategies behind this crucial wellness practice. All right, today we have with us Jane, Kathy, Bobby, and Sarah. I am your host, Shannon Spears. Before we get started, as always, our medical disclaimer, all of the information and education that you get here in this episode today is to be used for solely educational purposes. Please make sure that you do have a conversation with your primary physician before you make any changes to your health and lifestyle. All right. So digital detox phenomenon. It's all over. It's a buzzword, right? It's it's become a buzzword over the last two or three years, I think. Um, But what exactly does it entail? Why has it gained so much attention in recent years, right? So a digital detox um, is a period of time when somebody refrains from using technology um, such as smartphones, TVs, computers, right? They can be beneficial for both adults and children. And they have gained a lot of attention the last few years because the rise of technology being used Um, is really very prominent in in how it's being used, right? I mean, it's something in front of us all the time. Doesn't matter really if it's at home or even at work. I think a lot of times when people think about a digital detox and being in front of a screen too much, they think about it in terms of outside of work. But being in front of a screen during work is what counts as well, right? If you're at work and you're in front of that computer screen eight hours a day, that's a lot for your brain. And then you come home, you're on your smartphone, you're watching TV, or you're helping kids with homework on their computers when they're home, right? So digital detoxes can help improve physical and mental health. They can help reduce stress, increase attention span, and they can also help people develop problem-solving skills and creativity. For children, those digital detoxes can help them learn how to unplug and relax. They can also help children understand nonverbal cues, which can help with behavior management. A UCLA study found that children who abstained from digital technology for five days were actually better at recognizing how others were feeling. That is huge. That goes along even with, you know, um, during the viral chaos we had for the last few years and forcing children to wear masks at school and everything, right? Like, they could not get those verbal cues for how people were feeling with with their faces covered up, right? There's no difference between that and being in front of an electronic all day. So these digital detoxes can also help people break habits that are linked to health problems. For example, staring at a screen all day long um, can cause headaches. They can cause neck pain. um, They can cause issues with sciatica nerves. Um, Digital detoxes can also help people break from multiple different habits. This tech addiction that we have is linked to depression, anxiety, gaming disorder is an actual mental health condition right now. It's crazy. So how have you guys seen the prevalence of screens and digital devices evolve? And what impact do you believe this has had on our mental well-being? Bobby, let's start with you. Well, I think we can all agree that at least all of us on this panel and probably a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast um, didn't grow up with what we have in front of us right now. I mean, no, none of us probably had personal computers. I mean, the TV was the big thing. I know the microwave was invented as we were all growing up and the cordless phone, but it's evolved into the fact that we have multiple devices and we're connected 24-7. And, um, I think a lot of that causes the keeping up feeling. Oh, I got to keep up. I got to keep up. Like, oh my gosh, I have, you know, all these new emails that I've got to get, you know, get to and things like that. And the numbers game, you know, um, just being accessible um, at night and, you know, during the day and not getting back to people, just that undercurrent that you kind of feel when you are always feeling like you're accessible or if you're trying to access someone and they're like not responding that, that just that emotion that's going on inside that internal struggle or storm 
is creating what a lot of people don't realize stress response in our system. And so the mental health piece of that is the longer that wear and tear takes or you're in it, it's taking a toll on your mental health and your organs and your stress response and your glands. So I, I think people just really have to, one, be aware, and two, once they are aware of their using it and their kids and their family, they kind of have to make rules for themselves or figure out, you know, as we'll talk more through this podcast, figure out the steps that you need to take because it definitely does cause anxiety and stress. Yeah, I think too, another reason is that we're, you know, we're always on, we're always, you know, if we're at work, you know, personal, it's, you know, it's like even, you know, our bosses, you know, expect us to reply 24 seven, you know, and um, that just is not good for anybody's mental health. You have to have that downtime. You have to go outside, enjoy nature, enjoy your kids, grandkids, you know, go do other things, put the phone down. Um, yeah, this, you know, you have to, you have to set some boundaries, you know, you have to let your bosses know, listen, you know, you hired me to do a job. Yes, I'll be here nine to five and give you 110%. But I have to have my work-life balance, you know, is also a big buzzword. So I think that is really important for people to really um, make those hard, fast, hard, hard rules for themselves to um, turn off the, turn off the constant barrage. Yeah, absolutely, Kathy. I couldn't agree more. And something that came to mind for me uh, and for many people, I'm sure, once you think about it, is just the techno technology when you're out of your home, out of the workplace. You go to the grocery store. You've got those self-checkout aisles. And so, like myself, those people who grown up prior to this technology would find it easy to note that they're taking away people's jobs and human connection and may increase our cognitive load and mental effort. So we're, it's just one more thing we got to think about how processing the process with scanning and bagging and weighing and paying and all this other crap. And so when something malfunctions with the machine, what do we do? We're relying on a person to come over and help us. So um, I just kind of find it a little bit funny. Um, so the stress and the frustration, anxiety, uh, along with that is shown to, uh, you know, impact your cognitive load and impairs your memory, your attention and your decision making. So, again, it's another barraging of information thrown at you. Uh, yeah, a lot of technology can be a big help, but in some ways, not so much. Right. Absolutely. So how have you guys, I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of, of what I've seen, but how have you guys seen excessive screen time impact mental health, particularly in kids? So having kids um, in this new digital age, right? And like you said, Bobby, like when I was in high school, like the computer was just starting to come out, right? Like we had this big box computer and it was like black and green like the words were green going across it right like it cracks me up to see them now it's like okay that makes me feel old i know what that is <laughs> but you know to see how little time it has taken for all of that to progress you know we as human beings like we evolve as time goes on right but i think there's also evolving too quickly, especially when it comes to our brains, like, like our brains cannot handle the overload that's coming at us every single day. And we've gone from, you know, growing up just, you know, 20, 30 years ago or whatever, to not having a cell phone everywhere we went, not having computers all the time, right, to now a whole generation, that's all they've had. They've had a lot of parents have given their kids um, cell phones at age four and five, or a tablet in front of their face, or TV on all the time, or a computer, you know, like YouTube in front of their face all the time, you know, and, and that leads to kids getting into social media at younger ages, you know, fudging their age to get on things like that, right. So going through all of that with my kids, I mean, I think for any of our generation, you know, who's has kids that are 18 to 21 years old right now, even up to, you know, 30 years old, we've, this is something new that we've had to deal with. And just to see the huge changes in lack of motivation, you know, attitude changes, behavioral disorders on the rise in kids, you know, um, I know all of us at one point have said, 
when I was growing up, if I spoke to my parent like that, you know, like there's no way, like I wouldn't even think about it. And so it all comes from all of this new technology and everything else that, that's going on out there. So, you know, with my own kids, I mean, I homeschooled them for a majority of their school years. Um, and it, it was that time, you know, obviously I had the ability to control that because I was home with them all the time, but I had to ask them that question. Like, do you realize how much time you're spending in front of a screen? you know, realizing that they were completely bored without it. They didn't have the creativity that we all had growing up, you know, having imaginary friends, making, you know, dancing with the flower outside, you know, just because we were creative, we were reading books instead of being in front of a video game or computer, you know, our, it allowed our minds to be creative um, and have that imagination. Whereas today's kids, they don't. And so I, I really, saw that in my own kids and pointing out the time and not necessarily nagging them all the time, but just being mindful and pointing these things out to them and pointing out their behavioral issues. If they had an attitude with me, even, even my son now, I mean, he's almost 21 and there's times where I mean, he'll get on his video game and even doing something as simple as fishing or hunting on there, just being on there for a certain amount of time, he will tend to have an attitude you know, and he's tired. He comes home from work. He does it to kind of just decompress a little bit. But if he goes over a certain amount of time, I mean, he he can be a jerk, you know, so it's like, and, and lacks motivation and doesn't want to get up and do anything else. So it it's not necessarily age specific, right? Like it's affecting everybody really along the same lines. Um, but until we become mindful of it, and we take a look at what's happening around us, and with kids trying to change what they're doing every day, we don't realize how much it affects them. You know, with my kids, when we we're going through this, it was one of those where we would notice as parents, we'd take a few days to notice what it was doing, why they were having big behavioral issues and try to make those changes in their schedule and take some of these things away. And it was like you were killing them, you know? Um, and you see it all the time at restaurants with kids who are misbehaving and the kid, the parents hand them a phone just to, to hush them up. And you know, that's going on at home a lot of times too. And it's like, as a parent, they're not making that connection to you handing them that device is the exact reason why you're having the behavioral issues that you're having with them. They have not learned how to cope. Right. So we, we, we're just seeing that snowball effect um, from, from everything going on and, and not having those emotional cues. Sarah, what are your thoughts? I just think one of the big ones is fear of missing out. I've seen my kids so many times when they were younger, they'd see their supposed friend group, right? All online, posting pictures of them together, you know, downtown, you know, going to the, I don't know, the pumpkin show or whatever, whatever it was. And they would see and know they weren't invited where, right? When we all grew up, we wouldn't know any different generally unless someone told us. So I can't imagine what they have gone through over and over and having to live like that nonstop. I mean, just the stress alone is mind boggling to me. I mean, really, I think social media portrays, falsely portrays that people have a perfect life. We know that, but kids don't know that. So they're thinking that something's wrong with them, you know, or that they have a subpar life, right? So that's one of the reasons. Another one that I think is it could be very dangerous because of cyberbullying and harassment. And I have a personal experience with this. When one of my kids was in middle school, she was reached through an app. I think it was, is it Kick? Was that an app, Kick or something like that? I don't know. I don't know, something like that. But it was an app. And at that point, my kids were kind of young and I didn't really understand the apps and just how people could reach them through these apps. And they were threatening her life. And we didn't know if this person was at school because they would make comments, of, oh, when I see you at school and I'm going to kill you. And I mean, it was actually very dangerous and very scary. But one thing that tipped me off is the guy said the word bin. And I knew that was more of an English term. And instead of garbage can, he called it the bin. So um we actually went to the police and they took her phone and they tracked it someone in like new zealand believe it or not 
so it's just crazy. I mean, you, I, I, I don't envy parents raising kids these days who have all the access to all these phones from a very young age because it was just kind of getting started with the smartphones when our kids were like in high school. Yeah. Whereas they, I think it was a flip phone when like our oldest was going into middle school and we waited and in middle school, we thought, well, we don't know a lot of these kids. They're going to their homes. They aren't in our neighborhood necessarily. We'll get her a flip phone thinking, oh, it's innocent, right? So we didn't know what was to come next, right? The smartphones and all the apps. So yeah, I definitely don't envy parents who have little ones nowadays. It's got to be tough. Yeah. And I think like for us, you know, even like with homeschooling, my daughter and my son liked Minecraft and we looked into Minecraft. It was, it's created by Microsoft and just being able to use certain skills like addition and things like that to build things, right. And geometry and all these different things was great. But then we learned about the chat rooms and we learned about the bullying and the luring of, you know, young girls by older men through the chat rooms and everything like that. Right. So as parents, I think it's really important to learn about these apps and what can happen, what they have access to, you know, and my kids were still able to play Minecraft. It was fine, but they had to turn the chat room off unless they were only talking to each other through the chat from their bedrooms, right? And helping each other out. That's the only thing that was allowed. As they got older, we allowed them to get on the chat and we monitored it. Like we were able to go back and, and look at different mm -hmm. things. So and Bobby, I what this with these parents, because, you know, you think you learn all the new apps, right? The top four of the moment. Well, right behind that are more coming up and, and the kids can hide them on their yes. phones. I mean, it's just, it's like you have to be a tech expert to be a parent. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really setting those boundaries and those rules for your kids and having faith and trust that they are actually going to follow the rules, mm -hmm. even if they break some every once in a while, but you know, they're going to follow the rules to, to keep them safe. But again, it comes down to their age and the understanding of safety and why it's mm -hmm. important to follow boundaries and safety rules, because we know the outcome that can possibly happen because we've lived right. life. We're 30, 40, 50 years old, right? They are not, they haven't lived that. So they can't see that. Like that's the whole problem with parenting, right? <laughs> and you know what? One other thing I just popped in my head right now. Sorry about that. But um, there is a new app out that a lot of high schoolers are using, maybe even in school. It was um, posted on Instagram by a guy who's fighting child trafficking. Mm -hmm. And he said it's called Saturn. And it's one of the top um, apps used by groomers and pedophiles to find and get access to kids is what they'll do is they'll portray themselves as another teenager and, and it, the kids can organize their whole schedule on this Saturn app, and they will then have access. They'll somehow can get access to their schedule. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So you have to really be up on these things. Yeah. And I don't think the parents, I mean, there's so much more pressure. Like, I mean, my kids are um, mid to late 20s, and I think about being a grandparent someday and them parenting their kids. And I don't know. I just kind of like, I'm going to have to pray on my knees all the time for them because they're going to have so much they're going to have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when you really educate people to realize, I mean, Instagram came out and said it, it's an, it's an addictive program. They're programming for addiction. And that to me right there, just kind of, you know, they didn't mince their words. They they came out and said it. And a lot of the other platforms are, you know, programmed that way to to pull the person in and to, you know, get them to use it more. And so yeah. when you look at it as an addiction, like if your child was eating Oreo cookies and just couldn't stop eating Oreo cookies, you would you would know you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Same thing with with the screens. I know when um, my kids were younger, I actually had friends who said that they're their kids would play, uh, watch a screen or do video games so much that they actually weren't going to the bathroom and they would have accidents or have issues or I won't get into the other details about it, but it was just kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, so really waking up to the fact that the dopamine hit that you're getting by being on these screens, by being on social media, uh, by binge watching even Netflix, all of that is just 
brain brain wiring that's going on. And the more you do it, the more you wire that path into your brain, the harder it is to break away from it. And actually yesterday, the Today Show did a whole thing on on kids and screens and screen time. And they actually had um, a company that had done um, some study called Common Sense, I believe. And they they found that kids between 11 and 17, 60% of them were on their phones on a school night between 1 and 5 a.m. And I, that right away just blew me away. I was like, yeah. wow. I knew, I knew kids were doing that. I know I actually had a lot of problems with that. Um, and we kind of had to have the, you know, phone downstairs rule, phone in our position rule in, in, in the nighttime because, you know, kids will sleep with it under their pillow, like Sarah said, because of fear of missing out. They don't want to miss anything. And I think that piece of it, that's the, the FOMO and then that the pressure the parents have to want to be their friend versus their parent, that kind of thing. It all, it all adds up to a lot of stress, you know, and unfortunately, you know, as health coaches, we probably see more people as stress being a cause of their health conditions than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like the, it's it's crazy the amount of research that has that these companies have done to make sure that they are flashing things at your eyes a certain way, certain things are popping out at you, the colors that there are being used are grabbing your attention to gratify your brain, you know, your brain's needs, right? Like the, it, it, there's been research done for over 50 years on this. And I didn't realize that until our kids started having a problem and I had to dig into it and figure all this out. I mean, one of my kids, my oldest, you know, he would not even just video games, but with movies, um, he has a TBI, which accentuates it, but you know, he couldn't tell the difference between fiction and reality. And so to put him in front of a video game, we found the same thing. Right. And it was just, those are things that we had to break. Thankfully today, like he doesn't really care to do any of that, you know, but I mean, it's just crazy the process that they go through. Jane, what what are some of your thoughts? Okay, what I'm finding oftentimes and sadly is a babysitter is a screen. Yeah. It offers your care the caregiver givers a reprieve as they go about their chores or tending to other kids in the household. And also kids are being trained through these devices, I believe, to expect immediate gratification. You have all those pop-ups and everything, everything boom, 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 right in front of your face. Uh, there's no time to really think about anything, right? Um, so it's pretty sad that way. So, for example, in my experience, and you know, I'm before these big big time computers and stuff, getting together with friends on the fly versus when I was a kid planning it all out and you had to wait a week to actually hang out with people, right? And again, it can impair our creativity and imagination, like you were talking about earlier, Shannon. And these are important for mental flexibility, problem-solving skills. Screen time provides us too much information and distraction, and that reduces our ability to focus. I know uh, personally, and being an adult, if I uh, am all on Facebook and things like that, I can pretty much say the rest of the day, my day is shot if I'm on there too much. I just do not focus like I should, right? Um Limits our opportunities to experience boredom. You know, again, when I was a kid, if you're bored, go outside. Go, kid. The parents would say, "Go outside. You know, go do something. Go find something to do within reason, of course, not hurting anybody." Or they um, clean the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Um, so within that boredom, it's a state awareness that can spark new ideas, and insight. So therefore, you're developing new uh, generations of thinkers and doers. So, so I think that's really important. You know, that brought up a good point, Jane, because um, Kathy, like you said, or they'll make you clean the bathroom or do some other chores around the house, right? Um, there's you'll a be, lot. You'll of, be running out the door at that point. <laughs> right. I'll find something. I'll find something. <laughs> I'll sit outside if I have to. Um, there's a lot of, you know, listening to a lot of like motivational speakers and a lot of people who talk about, you know, how to um, pull up your motivation and, and re-energize motivations and stuff that you have, because we, we do have a society that has a huge lack of motivation. Right. And this is a huge part of the reason why, but to be able to, like someone said, you know, set a goal 
for every hour of the day or every 30 minutes. Like your brain needs that flexibility. It needs to be doing something different. It, it will only focus on things for so long. And I sit here and listen to some of these things and go, there's no way. Like so many people, like they get overwhelmed, even myself. And, and I try to work on breaking that, right? Like uh, my husband and I had this discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago where, you know, set a goal for every hour and change it, change it up what you're doing, whether it's at your computer and then the next hour you're focused on something in the house, or you're focused on something with the kid, you know, like to change it all up. And my thing is, oh, that's a great idea. But then I think about other people and how overwhelming it can very easily become because our brains have lost the ability to be that flexible. They've lost the ability to come up with their creativity. Now, the more you do it, like you said, Jane, you can retrain your brain. You can gain that flexibility back. But so many people, due to the lack of motivation and how hard that can be, they give up after you know a week or so of doing it because they're like, I can't do it. It's just too hard, right? And and that's where this whole aspect of of needing to do a digital detox kind of comes in. I think doing a digital detox can offer parents, families, individuals, the ability to recognize where their brains have lost that flexibility and how that can impair everything during the day and moving forward and trying to achieve different goals and trying to change their life, whether it's with their health, whether it's with their lifestyle, whether it's with their finances, right? So uh, talking about the mental health connection, there is a, a growing number of studies that examine the link between excessive screen time, like social media usage and mental health. And these all point to one clear conclusion. High levels of social media usage or screen time are associated with poor mental health. Several studies indicate that young people who use social media more than two hours a day are much more likely to uh, rate their mental health as fair or poor compared with just those who are occasional users. That's a huge problem. Uh, research also indicates that some social media users may wrongly conclude that others are leading much more fulfilling, exciting, and happier lives. This can make them feel inferior, inadequate, which also lowers their self-esteem. It increases anxiety about things they're doing every day. And then other research shows that those who post regularly about everything going on in their lives are looking for that external validation, right? Like they're trying to fill that hole. Um, and when they don't get this, it leads to self-loathing, self-doubt. So to be sure, obviously social media and excessive screen time, it, it can allow users to connect with people of similar interests and mindsets, contributing to increasing their social networks, right? Right. This was something that obviously was important during the viral chaos that we've had the last couple of years, not feeling so isolated, still being able to connect with, have conversations with people, get online for an online meeting event, kind of like a coffee chat with people we knew and things like that, right? Like that was important, but there is a point where that becomes too far. Um, and, you know, it's with heavy users, these digital services are foregoing that face-to-face -face social interaction. Um, and research shows that that in-person face-to-face social activity is a good protection for us against depression, against anxiety, against other mental health symptoms, right? It's that, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the social cues and the emotional cues that, that kids need. They need to see faces, right? They need to have the, the physical person in front of them, the body language, being able to see the whole body in language to learn the appropriate social and emotional clues that help their brains grow and help foster, you know, their personalities and being able to make different decisions in their life. So um, let's dive into the screen time connection to mental health. We're just going to have an open conversation here. So screen time, of course, isn't just limited to social media on our phones, right? It includes TV, computers, even during our workday as adults, tablets, gaming consoles, phones. We are so connected at all times. I want to hear from each of you your thoughts on this topic. You know, anything goes here um, on what you ladies have experienced with the rise of technology and mental health effects that you're seeing for myself. I know I have noticed huge mood changes, um, not just in my kids, myself as well, 
lack of motivation. Um, like if I spend more than 30 minutes on my phone, like I just, I'd rather just sit there all day and do that, you know? Um, in, in the same way of my computer, if I'm sitting at my computer for more than two hours at a time working on a project, like I have to get up and do something else. Otherwise, like I got that angst, that antsy feeling like I got ants in my pants and I can't sit still because my brain is just like, no, even if I'm changing what I'm doing on the computer, you know, just going from one task to the next for two hours, it's still my brain needs to get up and get away from the screen and, and do something else. And I'll bring up here, you know, the blue lights, the blue light effect from screens and things like that. And I've noticed that even turning the blue light protector on, right, like lowering the blue lights that we're getting, it still has an effect, all the different colors and the movement and everything else. You know, when I read on my, on my phone, if I'm on my Kindle reading, whatever, it's in black and white, you know, so that I can bring myself hopefully back to that, like it's reading a book, even though we need the physical touch of pages, right? Um, but it's much more calming to me than having it in color and all these other things. So Kathy, how about you? Um, I was actually going to talk about the you know, face-to-face -face interaction, which you touched on, but since you've already covered that pretty well, another thing that I thought about is, you know, kids don't know how to spell anymore, you know, because everything is, you know, they're, they're, their slang yeah they don't know how to cursive out of school cursive. exactly that's the next thing i was gonna say they don't know how, they can't read cursive you know and i'm talking about 20 to 30 year olds can't read cursive because they have been inundated with the print on computers screens whatever so i mean it's not just the face-to-face -face interactions that you're talking about with these kids they don't know how to communicate even you know via uh writing so that's going to be a big issue as well yeah for me, with my kids, I saw, as I said, when I gave them their phones going into middle school, I saw a couple of my kids really have a rise in their anxiety, big time. That's when it all began. Now, of course, middle school has its own problems, right? But I truly believe it was enhanced screen time and the pressure that they felt because these kids can't get away from these devices, right? There are, people can reach them when they're at work, when they're at school, when they're sleeping. My daughter used to sleep with it under her pillow, even though I begged her and begged her not to do it. But I mean, I just think essentially what it is, it's sensory overload. All the notifications coming in all at the same time, they can't even concentrate on anything else. So hands down, anxiety is huge with these devices. And if you have a kid who has anxiety or depression, it definitely has to be looked at. 100% for sure, for sure. Um, I think the other piece to the screen is it can be considered because it is not personal face to face. It, it's somewhat of a shield, um, meaning that people say and do or text um, or act differently because they're not in person with somebody. Um, and I'm sure you all have seen where people have texted things that they would never, ever, ever say out loud to somebody to their face or even in front of their parents. And one of the things that as we were guiding our kids through that teenage time was, you know, if, if my mouth would hit the floor, if I knew what you said to somebody, maybe you need to rethink what you're saying. Right. And then the other piece to it is, um, especially texting, um, there's no tone you as the receiver of it, you make up the tone, you know? And sometimes I remember I was using capital letters for something. I think I had, okay, was in capital and someone texts me back and they're like, what's wrong? Why are you mad? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, you said, okay, in capitals. And I'm like, <laughs> I just was saying, okay. I wasn't, you know, saying like, okay, like in a mean voice, you know? So interpretation is left to the, the receiver. And so a lot of times people that are struggling, especially like you said with Sarah with anxiety, those people and, and just hum, it's human nature to kind of second guess, like, what did they mean by that? And that whole rumination thing starts going. And I think that's where our kids kind of get caught up in it, you know, and adults do too, um, of what did that person mean by that? Um, so the screens can be also just very deceiving the amount of time you're spending on them and, you know, the responsibilities that you're letting go and things you 
didn't do because you were stuck on a screen, whether it's a gaming or a computer or a phone, it all adds up to time that could potentially be wasted. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many relationships, friendships I have seen end because of that exact issue of not knowing the tone or sensing the sarcasm or, you know, accidentally putting something in all capitals because you hit that button on your, you know, and it, it just blows my mind. And I, I'm hyper aware of that. We had something like that happen you know, in our family. And so it's just one of those where it's like, wow, the fact that that person just got upset without taking a moment to think about that person's personality, you know, and really how they would have said it in person, you know? And so I always have to do, you know, I, I do that when I'm looking at comments on Facebook or, you know, somebody was texting me. It's like, okay, if I was standing in front of this person, how would they have said this? You know, what is their personality? Like, what do I know about them? Right. And, and so that has really helped in my response to them as well, rather than that quick, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Because I mean, I've had things come through even from, with clients that are in all capitals and it seems like they're yelling at you. Right. And it's like just responding with, with grace and just kind of a calmness. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my goodness. I just realized that that probably sounded like I was yelling at you. It was all in caps, you know? Um, so it's just, it, it's crazy. The responses that people have and, and with the not being able to tell the tone and, and personality, Jane. Yes, absolutely. I could not agree more that a lot of it's so much open to interpretation. You just don't have those, those cues. It, they're just not there. There's a missing piece for sure. In terms of like a, a visual thing with social media and such, um, I call it comparisonitis. And you may see someone or something that triggers within you a feeling of not being or having enough, right? So and oh, wow, they might, they must really have it all together. You know, what am I doing? That's not right. So, and, and how can I be more like them instead of just being yourself? And so the more time we're exposed to that, the worse you can feel. So that can lead to a full blown, blown depression, if not kept in check. And another thing is if someone is on their devices at rest time, your sleep is definitely going to suffer. And when sleep suffers, guess what? So does mood and being able to deal with stressors uh, the next day. And studies have shown that, you know, even when you shut off your devices, your brain is still processing that information, even though that screen is not right in front of you. So it can, it can be a couple hours. So it's really something to think about. Absolutely. And one of the biggest testimonies to that, Jane, is, you know, I was always told um, when I was younger to read like my textbooks and stuff that I needed to have, you know, study for, for a test the next day, right? Read them before bed because my brain was processing that all night long. And so when I got to the test point, my brain would remember it, right? So it's the same thing when you're on social media, when you're watching a show, anything like that, like your brain is still processing all of that because that's what it naturally does. It thinks it has to remember that. And that can lead to so many more issues as well. So let's talk about the reasons to detox. So um, the motivations behind on embarking on a digital detox journey, you know, really comes down to research, right? Um, and research suggests that digital detoxing can have very positive effects um, that include mood improvement, better focus, uh, more consistent sleep, better productivity, everything that we have said here. Um, and some other studies have also found that preteens who went on a digital detox for just five days were better at reading people's emotions and social cues. So not only is it just kind of us noticing it as parents and seeing this happen, research is, is proving this over and over and over again. And too often kids turn to the distraction of screens when they're feeling unhappy. Um, younger kids are given a phone or tablet to soothe them, like we've talked about, right? Keep them quiet while mom and dad are doing whatever it is that they need to do it. So kids are not learning appropriately how to interact with people, with adults, with kids their age. Um, and they need something and it, it, they need that emotional boundaries. They need the emotional interaction. They need to, um, you know, have that tantrum, 
for a few minutes to learn how they should be reacting. And, and it, it's okay to let our feelings out. It's all right to do these things instead of having them automatically soothed by an electronic device being put in front of them because then that's all they learn. That's what their body craves. That's what their brain craves. You know, that's, it's like food. It's instead of putting food in front of um, a child because they're throwing a tantrum because they're hungry, they want to treat and they don't, they don't have the ability to, to say whether or not they are hungry. They just, they think that's what they want. Right. So we're doing the same thing with a, with a device, with their emotions. Um, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So talking about digital detox, um, how can um, this positively affect focus, relationships, stress levels for those who do decide to embark on a digital detox? And I know we've talked about a lot in, in the last couple of sections. So, um, Kathy, let's start with you. Yeah, well, um, back to the relationships part of it. I mean, if you're, you are have that screen in front of you or between you and somebody long distance even, you know, it's you just don't get those interactions as social cues you know if somebody's folding their arms you can tell they're upset with you or you know if they're open um you can't see that on the screen most times so i think you know it promotes the better communication you can actually you know have a conversation versus you know those texts that are sometimes awkward you know you can work things out it, they boost their active listening skills and strengthening bonds you know we're you know it's like i stopped i saw my grandkids this morning you know there's nothing better than a, a big hug from one of your grandkids you know i mean that touch you, you're never going to get that with you know online screen time so i understand sometimes we have to if our kids are far away but you know you gotta you gotta get out and socialize and and see people face to face get off the screens and unplugging lets you do that when you see people face to face, you know, because if you're plugged in, I don't know about you, but when I'm walking and people have their, you know, AirPods on or things like that, you just kind of pass them by because, I mean, I've said hi to people loud enough that I know that they can probably hear me, but they're just so in their zone. They're just not even thinking. So when you actually some benefits of taking a digital detox I can share with you is when you are not in front of a screen, whether it's a phone, a tablet, a TV, you know, a gaming kind of thing, um, you're going to reduce your exposure to EMFs, which is electromagnetic frequency. And probably have heard that word before, but maybe didn't know what that meant. And basically, one of the things that frequency, that type of frequency does, which is a blue light and a bunch of other frequencies that come into our eyes and go into our bodies through our skin and all of that, it lowers our production of different types of hormones. And one in particular is melatonin. And melatonin is the is an antioxidant. A lot of people know it as something you would take to go to sleep. But it's actually an antioxidant. It helps with your sleep. It helps you get into your circadian, slowing down, cooling your body down, that kind of stuff. But it's also an antioxidant. So blue light, too much of it, um, is going to suppress that. And so it's going to take you a longer to go to sleep. You may not stay asleep as long. You may be waking up. And when our body's repairing, which is what it's doing during sleep, that antioxidant is, is low. And so it's just not, it doesn't have the, the juice, right? Or the chemicals or the hormones to get the work done that it needs to when you're sleeping. So anytime you can take a digital detox, especially like Jane said, of really unplugging as your day goes on less and less and trying to get off the phone, put the phone away and the tablets away and kind of clear that space in your brain and let it process so that when you do go to sleep, you're ready to actually get your REM and your deep sleep. Yeah. And I'd like to add onto that stress. I mean, alleviating stress by not having to constantly check your texts, see who's emailing you, respond to emails, your social media updates, all of those, avoiding all of those is going to allow your brain to rest from the constant stream of information. These days, we're so used to just, I guess, information is at our fingertips, right? So you're going to have enhanced productivity. When you disconnect from all these things, you're going to become more efficient with your work. And it's going to make it easier for you to focus on your responsibilities at the end of the day. So Another thing that's going to help alleviate stress is another, I should say, 
good sign is when you disconnect from these things, you're going to have more time for self-care, which in turn is going to also alleviate your stress. So it's just going to help you focus more on yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Sarah, on that. Self-care is a huge, huge piece. And find that when you focus, you feel a sense of relief because your your brain isn't bombarded with that stimulation that we talked about. And relationships will bring a new sense of energy and lightness and openness that you may not have experienced before. So this is a really powerful opportunity for you. And as far as stress levels, you don't have to be bothered about the goings on anymore, like Sarah was talking about, all these notifications and bling and you know all these noises and all this stuff just bombarding your brain and you can just simply replace the time you'd normally use on your devices to do something that brings you joy so it's worthwhile to start thinking about the things that you could replace that time with that will make you happy instead of uh keyed up or anything or irritated and just feel like your life has more purpose and you can do it all without any guilt through the whole process Absolutely. I agree with everything that all of you have said here. Um, I also want to add in a key component as well is that many people today have TVs in their bedrooms. You know, so when we look at the relation relationship factor of this, right? Um, kids are falling asleep with TVs on or a phone in their hand, right? Like you said, Bobby, like they're putting it under their pillow. The fact I, that shocked me, the fact that there's most kids between 1am and 5am, like they're online, like it, that's crazy. Obviously parents are sleeping, right? So they have no idea what they're doing, no idea who they're in contact with, you know, like that's, this is a key spot that, that parents are missing out on um, safety wise for their kids. And when it comes to relationships, you know, adults are watching TV in their bedrooms too, while they're in bed. And it, it's so important, especially for parents, you know, that's the connection time, especially if you have a household that's busy with kids all day long, right? And, and you're at work or one's at work and one stays at home, like this is your time to reconnect. And it's not just about, you know, sexual activities. It's about the conversation that should be taking place. It's, you know, talking about the things that happened during your day, the things you're struggling with, where could you use support, you know, that, that time that's between just you and your partner without the kids interrupting, you know? Um, and it's so important to foster relationships. Um, you know, we haven't had a TV in our room for a long time and we happen to just be redoing our bathroom and we were moving the door. And so where the TV normally was in the living room, like we moved a door there. So we've had to kind of finagle things around for a short time. The TV was back in our bedroom and I was just blown away, you know, paying attention to the effects that it had. Like it wasn't on for a little bit. And then all of a sudden it just kind of creeped in, you know, we'll just watch something here, watch something there. The kids wanted to watch a movie. So it was in my room and, you know, everybody piled on the bed and it's like, okay, it needs to, I need to find a place back out in the living room. It's going back out in the living room, you know? So it's just amazing what happens, you know, when you find those little things, you make those little changes and, and see what's actually going on without you realizing it. Let's talk about some of the real quickly, some of the challenges um, and hurdles that people are going to come across when they do a digital detox. So uh, doing a digital detox can include three simple steps, right? Time, space, and alternatives. For time, you want to create a digital curfew. For example, no usage after 7 p.m. or no usage on Sundays. For space, creating digital free spaces in your home. Um, this commonly includes spaces like no phones in your bedrooms um, or the, and no phones at the dinner table, including at restaurants, right? And for the alternatives portion, um, here's the thing. Many people are using social media and digital devices to fill a social vacuum. A successful digital detox is going to create free time for alternative activities, which is going to better fill this vacuum. It's going to help bring those social interactions back, right? So this may include things like a new hobby, family game time, outside activities, volunteering, and, and many other things. It's also important to do these types of things and follow these um, within a digital detox to set boundaries with kids during that digital detox. Um, taking electronics away instead of giving them an electronic to calm them down. Understanding and realizing the behavioral issues that are going to come from this, right? But to not just 
give in because you don't want to deal with the temper tantrum. Like it's so important to recognize these are some of the hurdles that are going to come up, but you have to effectively deal with them. You have to learn how to deal with them. You have to learn how to parent essentially, you know, as there's, we're in a generation where parents don't want to parent. I'm just going to put it out there. and maybe We're going to be transparent about this. Parents don't want to parent. They couldn't be bothered. Um, and so obviously for us grandparents, <laughs> we see this happening and we're like, okay, I wonder why the kids are up all night long. I wonder why they can't stop moving. I wonder, you know, I, I get this. You're not seeing that. So it's really important to do these digital detoxes and put those boundaries in place and to continue them on, even if it's just small steps each time you do a digital detox. Obviously it can present a lot of substantial benefits, but there's also challenges that come along with this. So what are some of the common obstacles that people are going to face when trying to unplug? And what are some really quick, easy tips where they can overcome those hurdles? Bobby? I would say that if you're in a family setting, whether it's, you know, a couple or you have kids and that kind of stuff, it's, it really is communication is probably the absolute key with having, whether it's between you and your significant other or your kids, um, having a little sit down chit chat about, you know, we need to all unplug and getting, getting the kids on board and explaining that and getting some agreements. Like, why are we even doing this? Because if you go in and just rotor root the phone out of their hand and be like, okay, I, you know, you can't have this, the, you know, a teenager is going to rebel. They're automatically going to be like, you're hurting me. You're, you're so mean. I hate you, that kind of stuff. So having a little more of an adult family conversation, brings the friction down, everybody understands the goal, and then setting some boundaries. One of the things we had was, you know, when my kids were growing up is I served dinner at five o'clock, and that's when you needed to be home wherever you were doing whatever. Um, and that also included, you know, phones weren't at the table. And I think that's important to, like you said, Shannon, just have those boundaries and hold those boundaries, but then also get a buy-in from the kids, you know, why are we doing this? This is important to us. And making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page with that um, helps it because when you go solo on that and you're the person trying to digitally detox, which you can, but you're in a setting that's not really going to be successful for that, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So you kind of want to set yourself up for success. It's easy to say, I'm not going to be on social media this, you know, this weekend or something like that if you're doing, going solo, but it's really hard to just completely be un, unscreened um, when you're in a house with a lot of other people. With Absolutely. And I had, I had a reflection of my past where <clears throat> I was that mom. If my kids, and we had the discussion beforehand, and if there were times where they needed to be off of their devices and they weren't, guess what? I had the power panel I could have access to. I literally shut power off to their rooms. And I've also taken the phones away. So I, I'm like, I'm not here to be your best friend. I'm here to set ground rules. So um, with that, uh, they will, people will often, uh, you know, experience withdrawal from missing the dopamine hit, the social media attention, the immediate gratification, like talk about earlier. Um, it's a huge time suck and um, they may not know what to do in place of the habit. So, you know, you may have people also reaching out to you despite you, saying, Hey, I'm off the phone this, this amount of time, you know, from the, when to when, and they're still not honoring it. So boundaries are huge in that. I find one way also is to gradually decrease the time spent on devices consistently and gradually. So you can set timers if you need to do that as well. Uh, have some sort of um, way to do that, just to be mindful of that time that you're being on there. I think what's great about you said, you know, I used to set the Wi-Fi password. Yep. And I would change it, you know, we had a time of, we were running into issues and behavioral issues and everything. Mm -hmm. And they were getting mad, weren't following boundaries. Like I would change the Wi-Fi password and they had to get chores and stuff done before they could have it, you know? And yep. also they have devices now where you have a, you can put a timer on your Wi-Fi and you mm -hmm. can set a code where only you can turn it back on. So it shuts off at a certain time. And, you know, they, they don't have access to that. Now, obviously with cell phones, they can still get on their cell phone with, you know, just a cell phone signal, you know, rather mm -hmm. than just having Wi-Fi. So that presents a little bit of a problem, but you know, that's where, you know, taking 
their, their cell phones away. And if they have their computers in the room, well, that's fine. If they have Netflix or something in their room, what if that's fine? The Wi-Fi is not going to be on, so they can't access it, right? Mm -hmm. So all these new things that are out there to help parents. So yeah, there's there's plenty of apps that are out there, you know, for parental controls where you yeah. can limit their time. Um, another thing I was thinking about is, you know, just taking some of those social media apps off of your phone completely, you know, so you don't get sucked in, you know, your Instagram, Telegram, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, whatever. So you don't get sucked in because we're all guilty. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go check this one thing. And next thing you know, it's been 20 minutes later and you're still scrolling. So, um, you know, that's a really big one. Um, I was also thinking about the timers and things like that or turning off the Wi-Fi at night. So yeah, those would be all great uh, options. Um, but also if as an adult, I think this would work better than, you know, for the kids is if you're really wanting to get off the phone and quit doing, you know, spending so much time Time, get a partner you know just like anything else like you're going walking or anything else you know get a partner go walking turn off the phones and, and compare notes at the end of the week you know you know buy me a cup of coffee if I had less time on the phone than you did you know would kind of be a fun fun thing to try with some of your friends who want to take this challenge as well absolutely and I think we also have, I think, bring in the fact of that old saying, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm sorry, but that just doesn't work anymore. You know, children are learning what their parents do. So if you don't want your kids to be on their phones after a certain time at night, then don't be on your phone or on your computer after a certain time of night. Mm -hmm. My kids give me hell when I am on my computer a certain time, even my husband, like I have set working hours and it's to make sure that I am completely available when he is home. He's a truck driver. So when he's home, he's off the road. I want to make sure that we're spending as much time together and having meaningful conversations and everything when he is home. And so, you know, there's times where there's my last appointment because he's coming home at this time. That's it. You know, and if I hop on my computer after that, or if it's at night and I'm hopping my computer, like my husband, my kids are like, really? You know, so because they've learned that they that time is is valuable. Sarah, let's talk about how um, societal pressures like fear of missing out, peer influences, all of that contribute to that screen addiction um, with kids um, and adults, uh, and some strategies that parents can use to mitigate some of these pressures. Well, I just think the kids. I mean, most of them have been brought up in this, right? So they're seeing their friends do it. They're all addicted. They're all addicted together, really. And so that makes it normal to them. It's to the point where it's so bad that I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Our kids actually have their friend's location on their phone. They can watch them on a map where they are at all times. And I think to myself, oh my gosh, that would have been awful. I would have hated that. So, I mean, it's literally their culture. And I think it's kind of hard to pull them out of that. But what can parents do? I mean, simple things. I mean, like Bobby, I think mentioned creating those boundaries, right? And, and starting young, number one. I mean, I couldn't start young. I mean, I had to start when the phones came out. But for parents now, I would say, like in, when my kids have kids, absolutely start really young, take them away at night and don't cave like I did when they're teenagers and then feel like you don't have control anymore and let them have their phones and then they sleep with them under their pillow on. So be consistent, um, pay attention to the younger kid because the younger one kind of gets kind of grandfathered in and you think, oh, the older ones are in high school and they have their phones now at night and the younger one's a boy. So, oh, he's fine. He'll have it. Well, then you have no control ever. So, I mean, I've learned, I've made my mistakes, right? But I think consistency is key, number one, with all of this. And, and that was something I made a mistake with because this was all new and I didn't know how bad this was going to get, right? How do we know when phones first came out? what was going to take over. So like Bobby said, boundaries, you know, dinner time, homework time, sleep time, at least those, right? And then, as you mentioned, Shannon, be a good role model. Let them see that you're following your own rules and that it is possible to have a good balance between the screen time and then, you know, their other activities, really. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you, what you said was so important. I think a lot of parents don't realize it, um, especially if they have younger kids, um, you know, to that things like Snapchat, you know, if you don't have yourself in ghost mode, 
everybody can see where you're at, you know? Um, and so with our kids, once we learned about that, we didn't know about that until our kids told yeah. us. And they check it all the time. And they, it's like, yeah. they like it. It's, they like that life. I personally think it's stressful. Yeah. I told my kids, I said, if you're going to have this, you absolutely not. It has to be on ghost mode. And, and it's now it's advanced. Now you can select who can see you on the map and everything. So, yeah. um, you know, they're only allowed to have immediate families. Like my daughter can only have me, my husband and her, um, adopted brother uh, and her middle brother. That's the only ones that she's allowed mm -hmm. to have, you know, on their map. So, you know, um, how dangerous it can be really, because yes. they get all sucked into the, Oh, I'm going to create my little avatar and look how cute I look. And there's my friend's avatar. They're not understanding how this could be misused. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. So um, some other tips uh, to help kind of make this digital detox easier, right? Is help kids and teens focus on what they have rather than what they lack. Right. So it falls into what we were just talking about, Sarah, you know, that, that fear of missing out and everything, just focus on what they do have. Um, as they get older, they're going to be able to understand more and more of the dangers. I think parents today are really afraid to have you kind of like that mental health conversation is a stigma. This conversation of sex trafficking and the huge, huge possibilities today, more so than they ever were when we were growing up of kidnapping and, and things like this, right? Like parents are afraid to have that conversation. And I think some of them are probably ignorant. Maybe they weren't taught about it. They didn't grow up with that issue. They don't, they don't understand it. Um, they don't, they don't look into things like that. You know, like who's living next door, who's living on your street, who is a sexual predator, right? Um, they don't understand this and therefore they're not having these conversations with their kids. And it is so important to have those conversations when it comes to, you know, um, digital, the digital age and helping them understand the possibilities of what can happen and how this is growing so much right now, especially with our open borders right now. You have no idea who is in this country. There's things aren't being checked as they're leaving the country, you know, coming in. It's, it's just absolutely mind blowing what is going on. So it's so important. Um, have kids temporarily remove apps on their phone. Again, that helps combat that fear of missing out. It's going to bother them for, you know, a day or two, but then they'll be able to really start, you know, realizing rather than seeing those notifications coming in, right? If the app's not on there, they're not going to have any of that coming in. That's something that we did. Um, and even now my um, almost 21 year old, like when he feels like he's being overwhelmed or a little bit stressed out, the first thing he does is he starts removing social media apps, you know, because I'm like, Hey, did you get this that I sent you? We've been looking for houses and everything. I'm like, did you get this? No, I removed that app from my phone, you know? So um, I'm really proud of him for doing that. But um, a lot of times parents are afraid to make that choice with their kids, right? Um, sit down with them and help them write out some goals um, and what they need to do to um, achieve these small daily goals, daily tasks are going to lead to accomplishing those bigger goals, right? Um, instead of wasting time in front of a screen, like showing them what they can be doing alternatively with that time to better their life and better their future um, is going to help out a lot in creating that positive parenting atmosphere um, that gently redirects them um, to the things that they need to be doing um, when they slip off track rather instead of nagging. Encourage kids to learn different things, yoga, mindfulness, start an exercise routine, go volunteer somewhere, um, help them taking the steps in starting these and finding these different things that they may like that they've never thought about before and do it with them. They don't have to do it by themselves, do it with them, you know, make it, um, you know, dad and, and son go do this one day, mom and daughter go do this one day to volunteer, or they make it a family affair, um, start some new traditions here and encourage their friends to join in the detox with them. It's going to make it a lot easier, right? If they're doing it as a friend group, you know, and then they're able to have those conversations and talk about, it. I know, you know, um, my sister's house, my house, a lot of other houses that I know, you know, there was, you know, groups of kids that would come over and they would hang out and, you know, it was a safe space, right? Turn those safe spaces into conversations like this, you know, Hey, what would you guys think about doing a digital detox for five days? Here's kind of the rules, you know, um, you know, but we're holding you to it because you don't live here. Right. So we're, we're doing the honest policy here. You know, just having those conversations can help out a lot too. So before we close out this episode, um, I wanted to uh, talk about our North Star tip. So today's tip is take a look at the simple changes that you can make in your day. 
or with your family that will reduce screen time. Start with small steps. Take note of the potential issues that might arise from doing a digital detox by having those conversations um, and figure out what positive changes everyone wants to see um, once they've done this digital detox. Okay. Some quotes to consider. I find television very educating. Every time somebody turns on the TV set, I go to another room and read a book. That's from Groucho Marx. I love that. I've heard that for years. Um, and it is so, so true. Some days we just need to turn the quiet up from Sun, Dr. Sunwolf. So very, very true. So remember, small steps lead to big changes, whether it's a digital detox, it's habit changes, it's health and lifestyle changes, right? Make sure that if you're a parent, especially, you check out our free resources via our link tree um, below to help you guide you through having the digital detox conversation with your family, um, finding some replacement activities instead of digital and screen time for both adults and kids. Thanks for joining us today on Wellness Wisdom. We hope this episode has shed light on the importance of a digital detox for our mental health. And remember to subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends and family, leave us your valuable feedback views. Your support fuels our mission of promoting wellness and mindfulness. Have a fantastic week until next time. <laughs>